Woody Womack joined by Dave Lackford for the, another edition of the Commitment Issues podcast. We are still without uh, our good pal Rob Cassidy. Has uh, We're still talking about the old Michael Jordan doc, and he uh, simply does not care. So we, we push forward. Dave, we got some recruiting news uh, right after we recorded the last episode, really. We, we had another push for the old name and likeness with the college athletes and now this week we're seeing, oh, USC hired the videographers from LSU and Nebraska did something. And it's like, we're now, we're now celebrating hirings of video editors. Is that where we're at? <laughs> we're all stuck in the house and there isn't much to talk about. So you talk about what you can talk about, I guess. So the LSU videographer is widely loved um, because of his Joe Burrow stuff that he did. So I kind of get that, but who did Nebraska hire? I don't know if they hired somebody, but they, you know, I think I saw West Virginia partnered with this guy who's like some brand specialist. And the, the theory being, okay, these schools can tell kids, hey, we've got a brand consultant that'll help maximize your image and the bottom line is when the when the season starts they may put out a videos for a few guys like you mentioned burrow that the university is going to promote the university first and foremost i mean the onus is going to be on the kids to to cut their own deals in my opinion and it's going to be a lot of social media stuff it's not going to be i mean the the everyone freaked out like usual whenever it happened well what's gonna stop phil knight from giving each player a million dollars well it's like that's a horrible investment he would never do that i mean we look at the look look at the sports that don't have a salary cap like major league baseball i mean the marlins aren't gonna pay more than 40 million dollars for their whole team you think some booster's gonna do it for a kid who might not even be good i mean the the alarmist nature of people of like i guess they're purists i don't know but it's like you know let the market will set the value for these guys don't you think yeah the market always dictate dictates the value and the market is regional right so you brought up the marlins they could have a kid coming up who's a lefty who throws 101 miles an hour and has a nasty cutter but uh you know once he once he wants too much money they're going to trade him to the yankees so, you know, I think the I think the fear is, you know, when you talk about Oregon and what's to stop Phil Knight from giving these guys big contracts just because Phil Knight has the money. So maybe not everybody's going to get a big contract, but the big dogs are going to get the money for Phil Knight because Phil Knight has the money to spend. Um, well, yeah, but Phil Knight also, you know, Nike also has deals with, 60 other college football teams i mean if 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 phil knight was that much of a lunatic like an owner of a of a of the university of oregon why would he give cool stuff to ohio state then you know what i mean like right i mean his brand is bigger than oregon that's why i mean he's running nike so it's not like oregon's his primary concern i mean if, if, if it was really like that then oregon would be getting all the top basketball kids right right when we start recording this podcast these lawn people just started outside and i swear i, I can't hear it man it's all good Let's okay keep it going, don't get sidetracked with that but yeah the market's going to dictate value and what's going to dictate value as far as what the kids can control is how they play on the field you know if joe burrow's not out there 
throwing all these touchdowns and throwing for all these yards, no one's going to care to follow him around with a with a video recorder, right? So the bottom line is on the, is on the kids, you know. Uh, when they're recruits, yeah, sure, you know, go out there and maximize your brand. You know, Zion Williamson had a million followers before he even committed to Duke, right? So, you know, let these kids maximize their brand if they have it. But what's going to – you play basketball, you play football, whatever sport you play, the thing that's going to make you marketable is the fact that you do phenomenal things in, on, in your craft, you know, like in the Jordan documentary. You know, he said, I wouldn't have – Gatorade and Nike and all this if it wasn't for my craft of how good I was on the court right so the market value is going to go up for a kid like uh, let's say Lamar Jackson right when he was winning the Heisman he's running wild and he's the most exciting thing to watch you know I mean the Ravens got five primetime games next season because the schedule just came out those are the kids that are going to maximize their brand. You know, we're talking about like a three-star offensive guard, you know, Phil Knight's not whipping out the paycheck. Well, back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but okay. Lamar Jackson, uh, I'm getting some feedback. On he's a, he's a perfect example. Okay. He didn't even have a shoe deal when he won the MVP. You know what I mean? Like we're, <laughs> we're in the NFL. So like the, the, the thought process of the marketability of some of these guys is just not there. Like, that's because he didn't have the right agent you know he like he let his mom run his show <laughs> well but i'm just kind of like it's kind of like uh dope boy hiring earn to be his agent in atlanta which we'll get to at the end of the show i uh, just wanted to foreshadow that but no it's it's also who's your agent you know you have to be able to maximize your value just because you have value you have to monetize it through the proper channels like what do you have Rivals put you in charge of social media because, you know, you're, you're the guy now. So it falls on you to maximize Rivals' value, to monetize that. <laughs> right? Listen. So, you, you, got a, you got a lot of weight on your shoulders right now. But these kids have value coming in, and they have value while they're playing. If, if it's, on to them, it's up to them to maximize it. Well, they have value, but I just think – and I'm all for them making money. I just think the alarmist nature – both sides, I think, are, are – putting too much emphasis on the alarmists that think that kids are going to get a million dollars. And then the people who think that, okay, do you think a kid who are you considering West Virginia is going to be like, they have a brand specialist like, Oh, I'm going to go there. Like any kid who's going to, the kids are going to be worth money are going to have way more important people on their side already. Like, like Trevor, Trevor going into college uh, at this point, it, you know, if this was during the name and likeness era, he would already have, you know, marketing people around him at that point. Like it's going to change. It's going to change everything from that standpoint. But I just don't think, especially now when we're going to be in a, a, a economic recovery, I just don't think, I, I think guys can make some money, but I just don't, I don't think there's going to be six figure deals to be cut for more than a handful of guys. I, think the, I think the alarmist nature comes from the mid-market schools and a lot of the coaching staff. So Scott Satterfield for Louisville's coach, he was on Pat McAfee's show. And what he was saying was, you know, once the name and likeness comes into effect, you're going to see these schools like Georgia, Clemson, the LSUs, the Alabamas, you know, they're, these coaches are going to be able to negotiate with these kids and say, look, right now, this isn't the rule, but if the rule does pass and you're allowed to get, you know, you're allowed to monetize your name, image, and likeness through commercial venues, 
then we got a guy who runs a car dealership who's a big booster of the program. He's going he's gonna to give you 100 grand. Now, we're not saying we're going to definitely do that, but if it comes to fruition and it passes, then we're going to hook you up. And I don't know that there's anything wrong with that right now as it stands, because they're not saying we're going to do this for you now. We're going to say if it passes. So I think they're allowed to speculate on whether or not a new rule is going to be, um, is going to be codified. If it's going to become, you know, an actual rule that makes it fair to pay, pay these players. So they're kind of selling. It's like, it's like, it's like betting on future derivatives. You know what I mean? You're, you're telling these kids, look, if it goes down, we got you here's what it is here's a hundred grand that you'll have for sure and but one thing that Satterfield said is you know like the boosters don't care if they haven't cared before why would they care now so like does it really change the game that much right. it's just exactly. kind of like it's above board now <laughs> and exactly. I'm not saying that happens because I know that happens I'm speculating like every other fan of well, okay you, you mentioned the car dealership thing more than likely they're going to get a car to go make some appearances. They're going to give them a car to make appearances at the dealership and maybe be in a commercial. And guess what? I got news for you. Go down, come down to my neck of the woods and go to the old practice facility parking lot of any of these college teams that you root for. And you'll see a lot of the same cars in the parking lot. And a lot of them, you know, uh, would be ones that I wouldn't be comfortable paying the five, $600 a month car payment. Yeah, remember, remember Maurice Claret at Ohio state. Remember how Maurice Claret was the man as a freshman and, oh, then, yeah. and then he got his car robbed. Right. So he had like a, I don't know what kind of car it was. Which was another, let's say it was a LX 400 Lexus. Right. And he had all kinds of TVs in it. So it got robbed. <laughs> and so like he reported to the police show, they robbed my car. They took my TVs, my speakers. And it was like $80,000 worth of accessories. <laughs> <in his car. laughs> so, I mean, look, the rich are always going to stay rich, man. That's, that's what it is. It's a capitalist market and people are going to maximize their value. They're going to capitalize on their value. Some people, even when they have value, don't like, like you said, Lamar Jackson doesn't have a sneaker deal. I think it's going to hurt. I think, I think the reason we're seeing this is um, it's been, it's been trending this way for some time ever since the NCAA football thing shut down, you know, um, and then basketball with the G League coming through, and the G League's like, look, we're going to pay you 80 grand or 60 grand or 70 grand, and you can get a sneaker while you're in a G League, and that could be very lucrative for these kids. I mean, if you're the right kid, you're talking eight figures, right? Well, so the NCAA had to do something to keep these all these kids from going straight to the G League or straight to the pros because they're getting rid of the one and done rule, right? So if you can capitalize on your name, image, and likeness, and you're, you know, you're a five-star basketball player that might need some development, you might have to stay for two years, uh, it's fine because you could go to Duke or North Carolina or Kansas or Arizona or Louisville or Kentucky, and you can, you can get your sneaker deal. You can get your $100,000 sneaker deal, you know, if they're willing to do that risk, like you said with Phil Knight, right? Will the market dictate it? So, you know, you're going to let these kids play the market the way they want to play the market. And it'll be interesting to see, as they say. Well, so, so the initial. See how it goes down, but it will. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe so, it'll help college basketball. Maybe, maybe we won't get this garbage product that we have. I mean, imagine, imagine like 
19, early 90s basketball, like Jordan going pro right after his freshman year. Or better yet, like the old Duke teams, like Grant Hill. Imagine Grant Hill going pro one year in. Grant Hill was amazing at Duke. And I think Grant Hill would have been a top five player in NBA history had he not um, had so much, so many problems with his legs coming up. But, you know, get your money if you can get it, however you get it. And if you can stay in college and you can get Phil Knight to give you a hundred grand, and, and you go to North Carolina, and not even, I mean, Phil Knight's going to give you the money, whether or not you go to Oregon or not, if you're viable to his brand, which is Nike, not Oregon. So if, if you got somebody out there willing to spend the money to do it, I think it's a good thing. And let the market dictate the value. And it'll correct. You know, if, you, if they start overpaying kids, it'll correct itself. And, and it'll, it, the market always corrects itself. Like you said, we're going to come out of this and we're going to go into a recession. Look, man, I don't want to get into Habermas and all these sociological things, but we're not going to fold the economy. All right, but I'm just saying it's not, it's a, let me tell you something. It, I, it, trying to get these kids to do anything on time and on a schedule and whatever is hard enough as it is. If, you, if you're a brand investing in a person, it's just gonna there's gonna be i guess it's gonna be a quick correction where somebody gives some kid a bunch of money to do something he just says no nah, i'm not gonna do that i got the money already you know no, like, no 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 because there's gonna be contractual stipulations they're not gonna give you all the money up front you're gonna have to meet markers right so my question is this are you going to be able to hire an agent to handle your name image likeness marketing when you're i, I don't yeah I don't. you would have to let them do that right right Eventually what's going to happen is this you're going to end up seeing a player's union it's going to have to happen because ea sports is saying they're not going to be able to make the, the the sports games they're not going to be able to make the basketball or the college football games because there's no players union there's right. no there's no union rep that's going to be so so ea sports isn't going to find it lucrative if they have to pay all 85 scholarship players on all 132 P or division, um, you know, FBS schools, right? It's, there's just too much money, right? So you're telling me that uh, Justin Fields uh, is going to get paid the same amount of money as the third string left tackle at Ohio State? No. Right. Yeah, yeah, no way. The arguments during that trial were we're not using their name, image, and likeness. We're only using numbers and algorithms. We have the player's number. We have attributes. If the guy's fast, he's fast. If he can catch, he can catch. If he can jump, he can jump. If he's 6'3", he's 6'3". But that's not, there's no picture of the guy. His name's not on there, right? So it's not the name and the image. It's just kind of the likeness. And then, but what, what the court ruled was no, because it's too much like the likeness that it overshadows the image and the name because these people are, buying this game because if I have Terrell Pryor on Ohio State, I have the exact same player on the video game. It's just his picture isn't there. So you're not fooling anyone. Right. And so they said you have to compensate these players and you can't compensate these players based on the NCAA model. So you have to cut it. So everybody's like, oh, well, name, image, and likeness is cool. Now they'll just pay everybody. And then everyone forgets EA Sports is not in the enjoyment business they're in the money business and it doesn't make sense for them financially to pay 85 scholarship roster players and the freaking walk-ons that play on 132 fbs teams it just doesn't make sense for them financially so they're not going to do it but if you get a union rep then the union rep can go as the 
the intermediary between the parties, right? So he could go between EA Sports and he could go back to the players and in, in his union. He can go to the NCAA and he could say, all right, here's what it's going to be. The, the starters are going to get X amount, blah, 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 blah. And you break it down like that. And then it becomes feasible for EA Sports to be able to say, okay, I know what my risk reward is. I know what my profit margin is going to be to my, in, in, according to my cost. So now I can see what my profit margin is going to be. And okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make this game. But until that happens, you're not going to get it. So there's still so much that there, it's a huge Pandora's box that's about to open. And there's so many moving parts and there's so many elements that of course everyone's freaking out because humans don't like change. We don't yeah. like, we don't like things to change. We don't like, the only thing that people want to change is the number of playoff teams for some reason. <laughs> when when the fourth seed gets blown out every year, you know, Oklahoma rolls into playoffs every year and gets shut out and gets their head cut off. Michigan State gets shut out. It's like, look, you know, four is fine. Let's not make it eight, you know. The, the BCS was cool, but there was always one team left out, right? And in the playoffs, you're seeing that now where the fourth team just gets murdered every freaking year. So people hate change, and this is a lot of change. And the mid-market teams are scared. They're scared. Louisville's scared because they go in there and they recruit against teams that are, you know, they, go, they recruit against teams like Boston College. They recruit against teams like Georgia Tech, right? But those teams are in areas where there's money. Louisville isn't necessarily flush with cash as far as boosters go, but so they're like, I can, hey. think of, I can think of one booster who's flush with cash. Maybe he comes back into the who? <laughs> Papa John. Come on. No, no, he'll never come back. Like there's a guy out here named the hammer, Daryl Isaac. So you can't drive 10 miles on the highway without seeing a Daryl Isaacs poster. He's a lawyer. He graduated from UofL, but he, he's a Kentucky fan, you know, Morgan and Morgan is a law firm that might be able to pay some, some name, image, and likeness, but what's the kickback to them? What's the market value? In well, that's, that's, that's that. you know what I mean? Especially for football in Louisville, basketball. Yes. Louisville is a basketball market. So it might help the basketball recruiting, but I don't see how it's going to help the football recruiting. Yeah. That, well, that's, that's my point is the bottom line is, okay, there might be a few lunatics out there, but for the most part, they're thinking like, hey, we're slipping the kid 25, we're donating 25 grand to some nonprofit to get the money to the kid or whatever. Right. They're not, and maybe, yeah, sure, they'll turn that into a nice endorsement so they can write it off as part of their marketing budget. But the, 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 the thought process that these uber successful business people are going to flush hundreds of thousands of dollars down the drain, because guess what? A lot of the kids are going to be busts, you know, <laughs> like that just be, and, and another thing, just because a kid is good, like it doesn't mean he's marketable. For example, okay. Panay Sewell on Oregon, right? Left yeah, tackle. He's, he's, a, he's a lineman. He's not marketable. Right. Okay. But this is a, a quick story. He's going to be a top five pick more than likely won the Outland trophy. One of my friends who lives in Denver, who went to Oregon, who's got his kids decked out in Oregon stuff, stuff on the wall. He's got, uh, you know, G's and jerseys. He's going to games. He's flying all over. He sends me a DM the other day of the mock draft that came out, and he says, who's this guy from Oregon that's supposed to go in the top five? <laughs> I mean, and I was like, now, I gave him a real hard time about it. because I was like, what are you, what, this is, I was like, this is so embarrassing. I was like, you should unsend this message right now. This is <laughs> one of the most embarrassing moments. He's like, I've never heard of him. And it's like, 
dude, they're writing stories about him all the time. What are you talking about? Every game they talk about him nonstop. Yeah, he could be a top five pick. Easy. But, the, but, but might be the first non-quarterback drafted. He might go second or third. Yeah, depending on the team. But that's my point, though, is that the way – you know how he's going to make money off his likeness? Holding a camp in Utah and charging linemen 100 bucks a pop to come work out with him. You know, like that's where – that's where – Right. That's where the money's going to come from. It's not going to be – now, like I said, maybe somebody in Eugene kicks in 25 grand to endorse their restaurant or whatever. But it, it, coming out of high school, nobody knew who he was, even though he was in the top 50. I'll tell you where the money's going to come from. It's going to still be – it's still going to be illegal. It's just, People are going right. to launder money. They're going to be like, all right, I'm a drug dealer. I need to, I need to launder money, so I'm going to give this money to – X entity and X entity is going to then pay this kid to do a car commercial churches. Church, I mean, these mega churches, they're tax free entities and they get money every single day. The collection plate is forever moving around to the uh, congregation. Right. So I feel like these mega church places can, can uh, donate money if they want. They're nonprofits. They well, can donate to the university. The, usually, it usually works the other way around. For the churches are getting the money. No, oh, but the churches ain't got no problem. You know, if, if you ever watched South Park back in the day when they would go uh, to uh, Father uh, whatever his name's church was, and they'd be no. like, "Let's go Broncos!" <laughs> like, and look, the church is filled up with people from the community, and the people in those communities love their college football. You know, go right? Go Tigers. So, I mean. Who knows where the money's going to come from, but where it's going to get washed through is legitimate businesses who are paying these athletes to advertise for them. I wouldn't be shocked to see the feds jump in 10 years from now. We got your playbook again. <laughs> We're talking about some money laundering. Right, exactly. All right, so basically we're in a holding pattern another year. It's going to happen. I'll tell you who's going to cash, Dave. Those we got these softball players and volleyball players who are going to be having swimsuit lines and stuff like that. The social media following skincare routines, everyone, everyone's going to be cashing in. And that's social the media following is where you get your money, man. YouTube, all this right. stuff. And, and thing like when these kids are like, oh, I'm going to drop my top five schools. You'll, I don't think you'll see another top five or top whatever again, because what's going to happen is the minute you drop your top five, those seven or eight fan bases that didn't make the cut, they're going to unfollow you. Yeah. So there's, no point. there's no point to ever announce your top five. Kids aren't going to commit until signing day because well, they're going to keep their followers up so they can get their money. So, so the one thing that – smart. That, holler at me. You know what I mean? The one thing that I think we're going to see uh, is, is more pressure on the rankings entities because that's going to set the market. I mean, you're going to have yeah. – yeah, you're gonna a flood of handlers and dads saying, "Why is my son a five point six? Right. He's got an offer from West Virginia." <laughs> well, no, but they'll be saying, "I mean, how many times have you heard?" Well, me specifically have heard, "Oh, X school told us they would take him if he was a four star." You know, like the parents have told me that before, and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't believe you." You know, but you're gonna have college coaches telling us hey, we need this guy to be a four-star so we could get him a deal to get him to come here. You know, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. The old Bama book, remember uh, what's your boy Kemp from Kentucky? Who? Uh, 
the, the big boy that busted. Oh, Matt Elam? Matt Elam, Matt Elam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say Matt Kemp. Matt Elam, man, you know, the rumor has it that the Alabama coach called the other site and was like, yo. Oh, they called us too. They, they Please. Like, the coaches call in wine no matter where they are. And the best thing is when coaches leave Alabama or Clemson or whoever, and then they go to some, like, they'll go to, like, you know, UNLV and be like, I would have recruited this guy. He would have been a take for me at Alabama or whatever. It's like. My favorite thing is when the kid that they, the coach has been calling you about to bump up doesn't commit to them and go somewhere else. Yeah. I made this guy a four star. Right. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> that's the that's the, that's why I, you know that's why I don't listen and I've talked to you about this offline that's why I just don't t- you can't take in the opinion of a lot of college coaches because because they're playing a the game they're politics right. that's why I think it was funny when uh a certain guy whose name rhymes with Mimmons uh over on the other site was like we're gonna do our rankings and what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at video we're gonna get input from college coaches or what to think about these kids? Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> that kid, if that kid has that that coach's school in his top three, he's gonna tell you make him a five star. You know, they're not gonna be. They're not. If, if the kid's a three star, he's gonna tell you he's a four star. If he's a four star, he's gonna tell you he's a five star. There, it makes no sense for that coach to give you an honest evaluation of a kid they're recruiting, when all they gotta do is be like, yo, I talked to this guy over here, rivals, and you're going to get a bump in the rankings because of me, man. I got your back. We're family. Right, yeah. I'm going to get you in an all-star game. Go, go look at the all-star game rosters for, for both major games and just take a look at how some schools disproportionately have more commits than others. And it's not necessarily based on kids getting drafted and stuff like that. It's who, which coaches are in the years of the selection committees and people like that. So, um. You got to be able to hear that leaf blower now, Dave. <laughs> hey, man, just keep rolling, man. Let's go. Uh, Boy, we, we, we've touched on the – So, well, so I wanted to talk about uh, – we can talk about the Jordan show now. Uh, Last Dance, we had two more episodes. We started with the uh, – we started with the Kobe stuff. A little heavy right off the bat, huh? Yeah, the little Laker boy. Yeah, what did you think about that? I mean – Real recognizes real, right? So Jordan saw this kid, and he's like, dude, that guy's me. You know, he's got all the tools. And um, it, it was it was poignant, you know. It, it, it hit me in my heart a little bit, you know. Um, but I, I felt like Charlotte shouldn't have traded him. <laughs> well, that would be – listen, that's a whole nother documentary, the way that Kobe orchestrated himself down to number 13 or whatever. Um, because they, they basically told people he wasn't going to go play for certain teams. Um, but anyway, so what, what were your other big takeaways? I mean, that was, that was tough. We said we got more stupid Isaiah. Th- I mean, Isaiah Thomas has gotten more media attention than he has since, you know, he got fired from the Knicks for, you know, Right. Yeah. Somehow we that's been swept under the rug, and Isaiah's on TV, and he's he's fine. He nobody talks about that. But you know, the fact that he wasn't on the dream team. Guess what? Larry Bird shouldn't have been on the dream team because he was washed at that point. He's too. That was a victory tour for him. If you went specifically based on who was the best players in 1992, it wasn't Larry Bird. Larry Bird wasn't a 
top 10 player in the NBA at that point. You know what's funny about Larry Bird is – so Xavier McDaniel should have been in there rather than Larry Bird. <laughs> X-Man was – no, for real. If, if you go back to 91, 90, X-Man was – the everybody loved Xavier McDaniel. He was a Sonic. He was out of your neck of the woods, right? But the thing, the thing is – when you talk about Larry Bird, the Larry Bird I know that I watched as a kid was always laying on the floor on a towel because he had back problems. I'm like, who is this freaking washed white dude laying on the sideline right. every game, right? But, I mean, before that time, though, he was he was great, you know. So, it was like if you watch Jerry Rice on the Raiders. You'd be like, this dude's the best receiver of all time. He sucks, you know. He's got like 100 <laughs> yards this year. But, you know, you go back. So it's, it's a respect thing. And that's what they said in the documentary. The reason why Isaiah didn't get there is because nobody liked him. It wasn't just Jordan, right? Nobody on it. Magic didn't like him. Bird didn't like him. None of those guys liked him. So it was like – and you got you to gotta understand that, like, the torch keeps getting passed, you know. At first it was Dr. J. Then it got passed off. To, to Bird and, Jordan and and Magic Johnson, right? And then they passed it off to Jordan. And I think with the Kobe thing, you kind of saw the beginning of the of Jordan saying, hmm, who do I pass the torch off to? And I think he realized it was Kobe. And he took Kobe under his wing and he, he crafted Kobe. If you go watch Kobe Bryant's game, it's very similar to Jordan. There's that, there's that video montage on Twitter and Instagram that you see all the time where they, they do like, play by play of Jordan then Kobe then Jordan then Kobe and their movements are eerily similar it's like watching the same guy so and, and Kobe said that he's like look man you don't talk about if I would beat Jordan one-on-one -on -one because I got everything from Jordan without Jordan I'm not Kobe Bryant you know so to me it was the passing of the torch from those older guys down the line and it gets to Kobe. And, and so you don't, you don't disrespect bird by keeping him out. The problem with Isaiah was he was the bad boy, right? That he was the, he was the, the, the point guard of the bad boys, right? He was the little guy too, but he was the scrappiest. I, I liked Isaiah Thomas when I was a kid. Well, no, but I mean, I liked Isaiah fine, but I'm just saying like, let's not act like at that point in his career that he was, he was, he was on the downside too. And I mean, John Stockton had several more good years. That would be the one guy I think now, if you don't say Leitner, Stockton would be the guy you pull out in exchange of. Yeah, the, the big outrage is Christian Leitner getting in over Shaq. You know, Shaq is arguably the most dominant big man since Bill Russell. Right. right. Sha and, Shaq should have been on that team. Yeah. Christian Leitner? Because why? Because he's, he's, he's uh, well, we know why. <laughs> right, exactly. We all know why, and that wouldn't have, that wouldn't fly now for sure. Uh, although you know, Leitner was viewed as like he's going to be a superstar. You know what I mean? Talk about name and likeness. He he, he would have cashed in. Leitner would have been cashed in after he hit that shot ag against uh, Kentucky. So you know what my favorite? You know, Shaq used to be a rapper, right? His name was Shaq Fu, and my favorite Shaq line. He was on Arsenio Hall, and he said, "I was the first pick." Not Christian Leitner, not Alonzo Mourning. <laughs> what a what a lyricist! Uh, put him up there what, with uh, Nas. On, on oh, he had a song with RZA, right? And Method Man called No Hook. Now he, I know he had a few worst he, lyrics ever. Yeah, he had a few a few hits. Um, so then we went into the, the the cool thing I thought about the Dream Team stuff was the. Uh, you know, we hear about that practice that they had where they really went at it, and I loved. 
magic talking like magic talking trash on the court was amazing i i i loved hearing that and i i loved how like like jordan was like it's the not it's the 90s and it's the 90s what's that mean it means your time is over son magic's like, what's, what's that mean what's that mean <laughs> no my favorite part is magic whining though like he he's He's, All the fouls. He throws the ball up in the stands because Jordans get the calls. He's like, it's just like in the NBA. He gets all the calls. Even said that when it was Bird Magic and and um and Michael Jordan there, and he's like, don't get too close to him. They're gonna call a foul. <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh you know that behind the scenes stuff was great. The the, the All Star game behind the scenes. I think that's probably some of the best from that camera crew that we've seen so far. And then, like I said, the Olympic stuff. Jordan covering up the Reebok logo uh, was great. Yeah, that was smooth the way he did that. So it's like, all right, I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'll just drape the flag over the Reebok emblem. And, and he's above reproach, right? What, is Reebok going to get mad because he draped himself in the, fla in the flag? But um, what did you think about uh, – so you know how everyone is kind of saying in the media that this is a PR spin piece. Jordan <laughs> had – control over everything and when they start talking about the gambling stuff so i wanted to get your take on that how he you know he goes out to atlantic city and he gambles he comes home and then he shuts down all media appearances for about two weeks which is a big deal for michael jordan because he's the he he moved the needle for all sports media i mean you saw when he walked into the locker room it was just a swarm of people i mean he might as well have just he, he was john lennon he was the beatles he was the one-man beatles everywhere he couldn't walk down the street and so for him at that time to kind of say, okay, I don't like what the media said about me, so I am going to shut them down. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, we see that happen all the time. I and mean, Kevin Durant goes through, you know, being in his feelings and not talking to anyone for extended periods at a time. We saw, you know, Marshawn Lynch. I do think, like, uh, I, I I am tired of this, like, now we have backlash to the documentary. It's like, it's not a documentary because Michael Jordan has creative control. And it's like, well, right, but the thing is, they've been transparent about that. Like, it's not like, it's not like he secretly has creative control. Like, you know what you're going into. And I also don't think it's like, if he really wanted to be straight PR, he would he wouldn't air the stuff of him you know constantly picking on jerry Krause, calling him a fat turd and whatever like nonstop. he wouldn't like if, if his team had control they would cut all that they wouldn't show any gambling stuff like yeah, i kind of disagree with the jerry Krause thing because michael has control so the michael's career is over he's he's michael jordan like people are still going to buy his jordans right Right, you're no, but my what the new Jordans look like, you're just gonna go buy them. So he doesn't care about no, that. No, but he wants that in there about him talking about Kraus. He didn't like Kraus, right? You can't, you can't, the thing is, once you become popular in the media and you have media power, you use it to boost your friends and destroy your enemies. So no one talks in that whole documentary, no one really sheds light on the fact that Kraus was the architect of that whole dynasty. It's just he was the killer of it, you know, he at two brute, right. So, I, I don't know. I well, but, no, but coming from, but you're right. It's in the method section. Like, if you look in the method section of that documentary, they're saying Michael Jordan had creative control of this. A lot of this was his footage. He okayed a lot of this. 
So it is what it is. And, and you get that disclaimer in the beginning. But a lot of it was kind of funny to me how it's all his spin, right? So he's he's like, you know what? I'm going to talk to Ahmad Rashad. That's my guy, right? Just right. That was Ahmad Rashad, who used to run. I used to watch Ahmad Rashad back when I was a kid. He did that kid's show for the NBA, remember? And um, stuff, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Jordan's in a car with Ahmad driving. He's like, let's do this interview real quick, you know. And Ahmad was his guy because he, he could trust Ahmad. So he knew he wasn't going to get the hard questions like that. And Jordan's got the sunglasses on. <laughs> he's, got, mm. he's got the Officer Friedman shades on. And he's like, yo, my favorite quote from that whole thing is when Jordan says, you know, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competitive problem, a competition problem. You know, gambling is just a hobby to me. And then they spin it like, well, you know, 50 grand in Jordan is like $500 to the regular person. And it's like, yo, look, man, the regular dude can only lose $500 at the boat so many times before his wife leaves him and the, and the bank comes to take his well, house. You know what I mean? So, so one thing I want to talk to you, to you about, this is the thing I didn't think they talked about enough. Jordan was the mark. Like, he didn't know he was the mark. But he was the mark for all these golf hustlers and these card hustlers. And yeah, they saw him coming a mile away. Right. They'd be like, oh, yeah, Jordan, come in. That's how he lost all the money. That's, they're like, how did he write a check for $50,000 to the criminal? Because the criminal hustled him. Just <laughs> The criminal saw him coming. Here's what it is. It's the same thing in the law, right? So let's say you get in a car wreck, okay? And you're like, man, I got hit by another car. And I'm like, what kind of car was it? You're like, it was a 92 Camry. I'm like, yeah. I don't really want to take your case. You're wasting my time. 92 Camry dude probably didn't even have insurance on that car and there's no money in it. But if it was, you know, uh, Amazon big wheel, right. With, with an eight, 18 wheel Amazon truck, boom, deep pocket. Let's go. Let's get the money. Right. So they saw Jordan coming a mile away. They saw the super competitive dude who was the apex predator of his sport, which was basketball at the time. And, okay, you're coming into my house now, Mr. Super Competitive, with a competition problem. Cool. Your handicap's what in golf? Or, you know, I've been playing poker for the last 15 years. I'll take your, I'll take your money. Let's get it. So, right. Well, that's, that's, where, that's, where the, that's where it becomes a problem. When his, his competition problem cost him a ton of money because he, you saw it with the security guard in the quarters. He's like, run it back, run it back, run it back. And – and they know they could hustle him. Yeah, the, the comp yo, listen, that game, I've lost a lot of money on pitching quarters. So if, if anyone people probably don't know what that was. So the object of quarters is you got to get your quarter as close to the wall as possible. It's like shuffleboard, right? So the closer your quarter is to the wall, you win. And then just because you're throwing a quarter don't mean you're playing for quarters. You could be playing for a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars every pitch, right? And it's best two out of three or whatever. Uh, my girl was watching that with me, and she didn't understand what was going on. I said, nah, 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 you got to throw the quarter closest to the wall. Whoever whoever gets it closest wins. So people might not have knew what that was about. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's gambling with the freaking security guard. And, man, his style was amazing. Was it not? <laughs> Who, the security guard or George? security guard he had the long oodles and noodles hair coming down with two belts on. What was that about, man? Yeah, I mean, if he's taking Jordan for his money, you know that the card sharks in Atlantic City and Vegas, they're getting theirs, and the golfers too. Right. Everybody was making – and that's where I think he, he sort of got himself into some trouble. I don't, I don't buy the conspiracy theory that he got 
suspended and he didn't retire. I mean, they went into quickly when we transitioned out of the gambling talk and, and they got into some of the social justice stuff too. And Republicans buy shoes, which, which I think is like an overblown. It's, it's true. That's at, at one point, but at the other thing, like, I think he was just talking, you know, with his, you know, he was just making it. You see how many times he make jokes. Like when he was like, when he gave Randy Brown the tickets and he was like, I, I don't care if they're in, near the court or up by God. And he's like, you just got the tickets from God or whatever, you know, like now that would be aggregated. Michael Jordan calls himself God, you know, and then you know, it'd be Brown people. Had one of the nastiest dunks of all time. But listen, the thing is, I think we'll, we'll see more about that gambling stuff though in the next episode. Cause it, you know, they're going to, they're going to go into his hiatus with the white Sox on the next episodes. Right. Don't you think and they're going to talk about his dad getting killed because they were bringing his father into the episode foreshadowing his father. Yeah, they have to talk. His father handled the media thing. Remember he said, I'm right. going to talk for you. He's like, nah, dad, you don't need to do that. So that's definitely coming up on us uh, on episode seven and eight this Sunday. I, I just think like there's a lot of people there are a lot of people like anything that comes out like any reality show comes out oh people be like I got a bad edit oh I you know they only showed the bad stuff or whatever and you got people complaining oh nobody asked me to be in a documentary it's like well dude guess what we got Obama we don't need you you know what I mean <laughs> like, Yo, did you see where they the first part they listed Obama as a former Chicago resident, and then on the next the next part it was like former president. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was came up. That's good character development, right? There. Right. Exactly. So that was like, to me, the people complaining. Guess what? Be like Rob and don't watch. You know, like stay. I, I, this yeah. Is, wait for the wait for the McGuire Sosa documentary to come. Right. Out. Oh, I can't wait for that one. <laughs> so like. If you think it's propaganda, then don't watch. We know what we're getting into. Guess what? People celebrate LeBron for the shop and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, LeBron's got his own production company. What a hero. And it's like, okay, well, Jordan's producing this. What do you, I mean, everybody's producing something. Like, this is not like, they're like, it's Ken Burns. It's not a true documentary. It's like, Ken Bur you know, get, go back to Civil War or something, dude. Like, nobody cares. Like, when Ken Burns did baseball, did he do a giant episode about steroids and stuff and racism? You know, like, come on, dude. Let's not let's not get too crazy on my man Ken Burns. Man, Ken Burns is yeah. Guess what? If I want, if I want, brother, PBS. If Ken Burns is a documentary on the Jordan, I'd, I'd be watching it to fall asleep at night. Okay, we'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> He's not for the, he's, he's more nuanced. Man. I don't think we'd be having any naughty by nature music. Than the, uh, there, there wouldn't be a lot of cultural stuff in Ken's uh, version of this one. But, okay, so, so we went, so we went from, we, we went from, uh, we went from that. And I, I do think there's some argument like, okay, I, I liked hearing about how Jordan uh, didn't help that senator in North Carolina, even though his mom was like, yo, I mean, he gave the dude some money, but if Jordan would have endorsed the guy, he probably would have won. And I liked Obama. Guess what? Obama basically came on there and said, you know, it was almost like he was disappointed even 20, 30 years later. So, but that's not what Jordan, that's not Jordan's thing. Well, right. right Jordan, but Jordan doesn't have, Jordan doesn't have a sociology degree. He doesn't have a law degree. He doesn't understand the, the, 
how things work in politics or any of that. Well, he's just supposed to support the dude because he's black and the other dude's racist. I mean, he's, he's worth money. It's the same thing with uh, LeBron and the China thing, right? These dudes are not politicians. Right. Again, they are out to make money. They're about their brand, like we talked about with the NLI, right? You're out here. You worked your whole life to get where you're at. You didn't work your life through politics, right? You weren't a state senator. You weren't, you, you, you didn't do anything politically. You got your money by what you did on the basketball court, right? And then you were able to transcend the game to where, you know, you go to China and they're like Michael Jordan, Michael, everyone knows who you are globally. That has nothing to do with politics. It's the ultimate stick to sports argument. So, of course, people are going to get mad when, you know, you're this, so you should identify as that, right? But I, I think when he said Republicans buy sneakers too, if it was Christian Leitner saying that, nobody would have a problem with it, right? But because he's black, you put the onus on him to be to take a stance as a social warrior and i think that that's unfair to him because so he's not allowed to be who he is because of the color of his skin well does that I, make sense to you i mean yeah. am i wrong here is this country no, I, 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 say that jordan doesn't have to get into the political arena based upon his background like he's 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 michael freaking jordan he's the right. most he's the most known person in the world it was him Michael Jackson, um, who else at that time uh, 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 would be known? Madonna, maybe? I mean, he transcends everything. He's more than just a basketball player. He's more than just a, 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 a race, right? So why would he get involved in North Carolina politics when there's a billion people in China that know his name? Right. So I, I see, you know, and especially – Looking back, I mean, okay, there was some political people, you know, Muhammad Ali or whatever, but... He said that. He wasn't Muhammad Ali. Well, Muhammad Ali was different than him. Right, you know, but, Muhammad Ali, that was what Muhammad Ali was about. Muhammad Ali converted to Islam. Muhammad Ali was a social justice warrior. Muhammad Ali came up in the 60s. Okay, but, but, but my point, yeah, my point being, as we look back through it, the, the athletes, athletes weren't political at that time, any of them, really. You know, like, okay, we can, the, the, one of the things they left out that I think people have a beef about is, is Craig Hodges, you know, like Craig Hodges was basically blackballed out of the NBA. I think everybody takes that as, as fact at this point, he was a teammate. He won the championships with him and Michael necessarily didn't go to bat for him or some people think might've contributed to him, you know, going away or whatever. So, but I don't, I don't want to get too necessarily bogged down on it, but my point was Obama basically said that he was, you know, disappointed in Mike and they left that in, you know, like the, cre you know, going back to the creative control stuff, he could, they could have glossed over this if it was that big of a. Well, that a, was after all this stuff happened though. Remember all the stuff that was going on at that time was, was creatively controlled by Jordan, but whatever, Obama said after that, that was out of Jordan's hand. That's some ESPN. Well, no, the, the, the argument people are making is that he had final cut on this whole documentary. No, I understand. So, so, so anyway. I wanted to say one more thing about the Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan comparison, because I thought that was, I thought that was spurious. Like you, Muhammad Ali got drafted to go fight in Vietnam when Muhammad Ali was essentially Michael Jordan. 
Muhammad Ali was the most popular athlete in the world. And they're like, nah, go grab a 50 cal and go lay in the bush and, and shoot the Viet Cong. And, and Muhammad Ali was like, they never did nothing to me. Look what, look what this country's doing to my people, to black people. You want me to go fight against the Viet Cong for, for this? No way. So I'll go to Canada, you know. So it's it's apples oranges comparison when you talk. Oh, no, it's yeah, it's it's not accurate. So, uh, I thought it was ridiculous, and I thought it was intellectually dishonest, honestly. Okay, so let's let's move on. Uh, the 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 we kind of wrap up on over the two episodes. Uh, the theme is Jordan's becoming real disenchanted with life in the public eye. I mean, whether you want to talk about that stuff or not, just. He can't live a normal life. I mean, when they show him in the hotel room and he's like, it was nice and quiet till you guys came in here. This is all I do. Sit up here, smoke cigars and chill out or whatever. I mean, six cigars a day. And they show him getting mobbed. I mean, uh, he said, he said, you know, everyone says, be like Mike, be like Mike. Well, I'll tell you, being like Mike is no fun. No, exactly. And they, they, they definitely, uh, they definitely showed the, the, multiple takes of him saying, oh, I want to live a day like Mike or a week, tried to live in a year, you know? So it, it reminded me, Dave, and I can't believe I haven't told this story on the podcast at the time I met Michael Jordan. Oh, wow. So uh, I used to cover the NBA, as some people might know, especially uh, back in like between like 05 and 09 in that range. Um, I would cover the NBA Combine, which at that time they had moved it from Chicago to Orlando. And it was that wide world of sports, right? And it wasn't open to fans. It was only media and team personnel. So, so have you ever been to wide world of sports? So people think it's like a theme park. It's not, it's just one of these big athletic complexes like we're seeing popping up all over. Million sports fields, stadiums, arenas. We used to have the five-star challenge before we started going to NFL venues. Right, right. All types of stuff like that, yeah. So uh, I was covering – at that time, I used to work for this place. I think it's called Inside Hoops. And I would go, and i basically do what I do now, but for basketball. I'd go do – I'd watch the games. I'd write, like, you know, top performers. I'd do, like, interviews with people uh, and stuff like that. So when you're there – Everyone's there, college coaches, GMs, scouts, whoever, media people. So I was uh, walking around, had my headphones in, listening to some podcast or whatever. And uh, you had to go check in at this thing to get your credentials. So I'm in line and I'm uh, just listening to music. And, and we, get to, we get to the point where we're coming in the door. It's kind of a long line. And as soon as I like walk to till it's my part to get in the door, there's still like five, six people till I get to the table. You every froze. person nobody heard what you said. You just froze. So go back you, in there. You froze. Oh, my bad. I hope uh well now now I gotta edit this, Dave. That's the worst. Keep going, keep going. You know, editing's the worst part of my life. So anyway, I, when I get to the where did you where did I leave off that you didn't hear me? You were listening to your podcast. Okay. So so we're we're uh we're walking in the door and there's five or six people between me and the table and uh, everyone in the place is like looking right at me. People doing the check-in, all the people behind the table. And I'm like, you know, I felt out of place as it was because I was not super qualified to be there. Who knows what I was wearing, probably cargo shorts and some 
polo shirt that was one size too small, you know? <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out, I'm looking at my shirt, looking at my fly. <laughs> you know? I'm trying to see what's going on, right? And I turn around and it, but who else is behind me in line? But Michael Jordan, the one and only, right? And I was like, you know, holy shit, Michael. <laughs> now I really got to edit it. Uh, Michael Jordan's behind me in line. I say leave it in there. That's a holy shit moment. Yeah, I'll leave it in there. Uh, Michael Jordan's behind me in line. Like, you know, and then I, I, I like, I like, we still got minutes until I'm going to be up at this table, at least two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, I got to say something to him, right? I mean, he's not getting mobbed. We're in a professional setting. So I, I turn around and I go, uh, hey, Mike, they make, they're making you wait in the same line as me. And he says, man, this Disney, everybody has to wait in line. <laughs> I give him a laugh. I give him a laugh. I say, hey, I'm Woody, blah, blah, blah. He says, nice to meet you. I turn back around and put my headphones in. And that was, I, I got out on top. I got a, I got a funny comment out of him. I got a handshake. No picture, no audio. This was pre-picture days, you know. Yeah, yeah. pre-Instagram, everybody's fake. But, but I wouldn't have taken, I never take pictures with people uh, with like athletes in that situation, even when it was, pre, even pre-Instagram or, you know, we still had social media then, but that was like, I'm, I'm viewing it's my- funny. It's like, what is it? Oh, I saw this famous person out somewhere and I inconvenienced them by standing well, next to them and making them snap a photo. Get a life, man. Stop, stop that. Well, Where I come from, there, there's a pejorative term for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like- there was a time there when I would be like going to like, you know, a Super Bowl party or something like that. When you're at a party like that and you meet celebrities, you're not taking pictures. You know what I mean? Like you, especially if you're viewed as like, yo, we're in the same group. Like I once went with Jamel Hill to a Super Bowl party and we're hanging out with, you know, all these dudes who were like starting quarterbacks in the NFL at the time. But I'm trying to act like I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> you, know? you name dropped Jamel Hill, though. So well, I'll name drop Jamel Instagram right now, bro. <laughs> hey, hey, go go check it. You did kind of bring the whole Jordan documentary back to Woody Womack as well with this. Well, story. no, but I realized we've been a cop chaser right now. We we been Jason. Jason said, "Yeah." <laughs> hey, listen, we've been talking about this. For, for four episodes, and I forgot to mention that I met Jordan. So I feel like that's a win. That's that's a win for me. Plus, it's like the 50-minute mark of the podcast. Oh, we're about to wrap up. Sweet. Right. We're so, deep in here. So, so what you got? So anyway, next week we'll get to why he went away, and we'll get the dad stuff, and then we'll bring it around. At, in, in yeah, next week, we hopefully we don't do this on Friday, so we get some run on it before the thing well, that, Sunday that, night. That was my bad. Uh, so, so, uh, you know, I got to do these other videos. You know what I mean? I'm doing, you forget that I got to do. You got to do that video of that kid running through those cones at the camp. <laughs> that well, linebacker stepping over the bags laterally, you know, so that lateral foot fire. So, let me tell you something. I tell them every time, do not put any of that in. I, nobody wants to see that. I keep, I keep saying it over and over and over again. The ones that make it through are the ones that I was too lazy to edit. Um, <laughs> Yo, the, since we're in the early 90s with the Jordan doc, do you remember in Living Color and Jim Carrey's guy, uh, Fire Marshal Bill? When you said, let me tell you something, I went right back to that. Like, he would be like, let me tell you something. You don't remember that? 
That's a little deep. Go find a let me tell you something clip and put that in here. Edit it. Since you got All right. It. So let's wrap up. Uh, you wanted to you, you want to talk about Atlanta. You finished watching it. So let's talk about it real quick. We'll talk about what we've been doing. Well, I just I just was telling every you told me to watch Atlanta. And I was kind of like, I ain't trying to watch that. It's going to be run of the mill, you know, whatever hood drama. Right. But when I watched it, I was like, man, this is like, this is the most brilliant thing I've seen on television in years. Like, it's up there with Rick and Morty. The layers of it, uh, it the, the philosophical angles it takes from surrealism and realism. So, all right, so you you were talking about, so for those that don't know, the show is, a, is Donald Glover pretty much has full creative control over it. Yes, Woody? Yeah, so it's propaganda then, right? That's how it works. <laughs> Jay Williams going to be on first take talking about how it's not authentic. Jay Williams. But uh, Jay Williams cost me money missing free throws against Marquette. I'll never every Anytime someone talks about Jay Williams, I think about the $1,000 he cost me because he couldn't make a free throw. And he's a point guard. So I don't really care what Jay Williams got to say. Give me my $1,000. Learn how to shoot a free throw, chump. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, it... it Donald Glover has complete control over it. If you don't know who Donald Glover is, he was the black guy from Community, which was a, a Dan Harmon show, right? Vince creator Rick and Morty. You kind of you can kind of see the layering and, and, and everything that goes into Atlanta the way that you see in Rick and Morty. But anyway, um, it's about a guy named Paperboy who is a very street dude. Like he's he sells weed. That's what he does. And he's he's a hood guy and he blows up as a rapper. He, he you know, he he puts out a mixtape, and uh, Donald Glover's character, Earn, gets the radio to play it, um, and Earn is, is cutting his teeth as a manager. Um, so he's able to get a guy he knows to play the song on the radio, and it blows up, and then, like, everybody's world just starts moving super fast. So um, it, it just shows how, like, these, these guys' world change, and I think it's, it's, it's a contrast between you know realism and the surreal right and you just gotta watch it to understand with that context of why it's so crazy and why it's so out there so we put this in the recommendations and <clears throat> if if you're not into hip-hop or you're not into like urban stuff this doesn't matter because it's so well done and so smart that i think it's enjoyable for everyone woody would you agree with that yeah and i don't think like the the hip hop aspect is not it's not like you're watching him perform you never see him perform because the song that he has isn't even him rapping you know what I mean no but it's it's more like a societal thing it's more right. like from that view of hip hop the culture not necessarily rap which is just the the music the product that's put out there and given to the public it's more or less you know earn trying to find his way in the game and big boy or a paper boy um who was the rapper who was content to just sell weed and live in his apartment in the hood and then all of a sudden he gets all this fame and it's kind of like what jordan was saying like it's not fun to be me because a lot of the attention that he gets is very negative because he still stays in, in in that same environment like he's still selling weed while he's a rapper and he's rapping about selling drugs. You know, his name's Paperboy. I'm all about that Paperboy. And so it's it's detrimental to his lifestyle to be a rapper. And he's transitioning from the illicit to the legal world. And it causes all kinds of problems for him. He's constantly getting robbed throughout the show. Um, it's, it's just a, 
to me, it's it's just uh, very artfully done. I mean, I think it won Emmys, right? Didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Awards. It's just so well done. It's so smart. It's so layered. It's just the social commentary on it is amazing. So if you haven't checked out Atlanta at this point, go back and watch it since we're in quarantine or whatever. Not quarantine, but we're in a shutdown or whatever. Uh, it started in 2016. It takes like two years to make a new series. So there's two seasons. There's 2016, 2018, and season three is supposed to come out in 2021. So go check it out. It's definitely worth your time. I'm pretty cynical on anything that's on, you know, Netflix or Hulu. This is on Hulu. Check it out. Yeah, so, uh, so, so yeah, I would definitely advise uh, watching it. I, we're still waiting on Cassidy to watch it. He's too busy watching Korean baseball. He's watching Twin Peaks, which is – Twin Peaks is kind of like, just like the show. Like, it's the surreal versus real. And uh, they're, they're very much two shows within the same mold. Did you watch the new episodes of Twin Peaks? Is uh, there new episodes? I thought it's just from the... the no, no, they did, like a, they did like a new season of it, like a couple of years ago. Did David Lynch? Yeah. I guess I know what I'm going to watch when we have... <laughs> So, uh, recommendation go watch the new Twin Peaks. Turns Don't watch the new Shaft movie with Samuel L. Jackson, by the way. That was trash. Uh, yeah, boy, I could who would have thought that that wouldn't have been the a first good. one was all right. The first one was star studded, it had Christian Bale in it. It was, it was a it, it, you know, it was good. So, I've been watching, uh, I watched the, the teenage girl show on Netflix, uh, Never Have I Ever, which was a Mindy Kaling show. Uh, you know, she was a writer on The Office. She was on The Office. Okay. Uh, so it, it actually wasn't bad. It was a little cheesy, but I mean, uh, I, I think it was pretty, you know, I, I tend to like like teenage uh, shows like that. I do. I like the coming of age stories. Right. And her dad, her dad died on the, sh her dad's dead or whatever. So it's real, mm -hmm. you know, there's some, some heartstrings type stuff there. Then I've been watching uh, Upload on uh, Amazon Prime. You know what that's about? No, I, I've been wanting to check that out, though. I, it's it's pretty good. It's not like, I wouldn't call it like elite, but I mean, I think we're six or seven episodes in. It's about a dude who, uh, who dies, and instead of like, basically, it, it's set in the future, and you got yeah, the... Yeah, they this consciousness. It's kind of, it's a trope. It's tropey. Right, it, exactly. But it's the way that you can still communicate with the, the world, and of course, there's like some type of little mystery stuff there as to... The circumstances surrounding his death and whatnot and it, it's it's not like super in-depth but i mean i say i'd enjoy it um it's, it's like that episode of black mirror right it's like a black yeah, they upload your consciousness to, to like a database somewhere and you go live in that like 80s world right exactly so um so anyway uh i'm enjoying that show and it's from once again another tie to the office from uh greg daniels who who did the office and uh you know, King of the Hill and, and stuff like that. So if you, if you have, it's, it's not a, a pure comedy, but there's some, uh, some good comedic aspects in there. So um, in terms of my complaints, you know, I haven't been leaving the house a whole lot, so I don't have a whole lot to complain about, but I have, but what, what do you got, Dave? So I, I go to, so I live, you've been to my house, Woody. I live in the most Northern looking block that you could possibly find in right? And there's a corner store. Like anytime I move somewhere, I gotta have my corner store, right? So I go to my corner store 
and my man has masks and he's like do you want a mask and i'm like yeah cool you know good looking out you know i'm figuring he's giving me the mask oh no pandemic and i don't have one so i'm like yeah let me get a couple of them so i grab six and this fool rings me up at two dollars a pop charges me twelve dollars for six freaking masks that cost five cents a piece price gouging me in the pandemic not cool bro but he was the only store that had toilet paper for a while. So, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, I can't hate on it, but don't be out here price gouging people. Gas is 99 cents a gallon and I'm paying $2 for one mask. So yeah. that's my rant right there. Like that's my complaint. Don't be price gouging people for things that's going to keep the public safe. And also, if you're out there talking about, oh, the mask don't stop you from getting it, it's not about stopping you from getting it, you selfish jerk. It's about you coughing all over the place because you're not smart enough to use your elbow. It keeps the it keeps your nastiness from getting on other people. All right. So stop. So, so mental midget. Uh, I'm having issues. Uh, what's your comfort level with the, with masks right now? I mean, this is the mask I have right here. It's just it's whatever. You just I popped the one thing off. It's two dollars. I'm gonna try to fix this. It's broke. Does it? Hey, does it have the metal thing at the top? Does no, that? It's just, it's just it's just a run of the mill mask you use like if you're uh, a triage nurse. Well, something. right, but I have one similar. And did you know that you can bend it around your nose? Did you know that? No, it doesn't have the little fiber in it. It's just it's all cloth. Oh, oh it does. It does. You're right. It does. It has a little little rod in there. Yeah, there's a little uh, there's oh. a little. The, a mask hack for you provided uh, by me. So, uh, but I, I still don't, I, I don't know why I have issues with it. I got to get some type of a, of a cotton solution because I'm about to start leaving the house around here. The issue is so many people. I mean, I go on Instagram and I see that Justin Fields and Jared Garantano and all these dudes are like two miles away from my house all working out together. And I should, you know, I can go out there and get some content, but I got to be having a, a uh, confident mask solution. I just don't have it right now. So six feet away, man, you'd be all right. Yeah, but I'd rather be safe than sorry on that front. So uh, the one thing I did was complaining about now. <laughs> so uh, I get it that a lot of people have had events canceled. Like I'm sure, did you have any weddings or anything you were supposed to go to that got wiped? Oh, man, I'm, I'm 42. Everybody I know is married already. Well, you should have a second. Well, everybody's divorced already. <laughs> right. You should have a second round of weddings coming. Uh, but, but like, you know, we we were supposed to go to a bat mitzvah in uh, boy in Philadelphia of all places. Because I actually there was some talk about, hey, you think I could talk Lackford into flying in that weekend to come hang out with us in Philly? But uh, it got canceled, and uh, you know there was talk about like hey, we're going to have a virtual party. And I was like, listen, just just put the party on hold. Well, we can have a party anytime. Like, we can have a party a year from now if we have to uh, in person. I'm not getting on the thing and being like, ooh, hey, 13-year-old girl, you know, Shabbat Shalom or, you know, what, what, whatever. It's just, it's not, it's uh, mazel it's tov. And it's sad, man. It's like I watched Saturday Night Live where everybody was doing it like we're doing this right now. It's like, what are, what are we doing? I mean, the thing I'm missing out on, my son is graduating from high school. He's well, no, that's like, that's super. Graduate. I mean, it sucks, but look, I mean, adapt and overcome, man. I'm not a person that stands on ceremony that much, man. I, I, don't, I don't care. Well, you know, he don't, he, he's kind of 
he, he didn't even want to do it. And now that he can't do it, he's mad he can't do it. He's like, Dad, do I even got to go to this? Stupid. I don't care. Okay. And now he can't do it. And he's all mad. So, wait, is he, listen, is he listening right now? He's upstairs. I don't know, man. These kids be sneaking out their windows. Doing like, so, so, here's – do you want to hear something I did that's ultimate scumbag behavior back in high school? <laughs> I mean, everything you do is scumbag behavior. So, you know – this may not shock you that, that I don't come from a super well-to-do family, especially on the Womack side. Yeah, you're a ne'er-do-well. So uh, when you buy the invitations for like uh, graduation, you had to buy like, remember it's like you buy 50 or you buy 100 or you know what I mean? Like they come and- they, they sell you the pack, same with the right. Uh, right, you're like, I'm like, I don't even know this many people. So. So I bought the invitation. Not even 100 people in your graduating class. Yeah, there was, hey, there was 125. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so, uh, so we buy the invitations. And if I remember right, I think my mom made me pay for them. You know, you got a job, you buy your own graduate, you know, invites or whatever. So uh, I got them and I sent them to basically every person that we knew, you know, friends of the family, whatever aunts and uncles I had. And I still had a stack. And I was like, I paid for these. So I just, I just, uh, this was early internet. Like, remember you could do like yellow pages or, you know, whitepages.com or whatever. I just went in and typed in Womack and I just started taking address. <laughs> Anyone that had the same last name as me, I put the address and I put it in there. And I sent them to like 30 people who just had the same last name as me, but I hadn't, didn't know it all. And I probably got 10 checks back from strangers. <laughs> for See, that's not scumbag, though. That's, that's, that's capitalism, man. They're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Rose's son, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Woody, yeah, yeah. It's, it's easier. I don't want to go see that little bastard here. Here's a $20 check, <laughs> you know? It's easier that way, which I agree with. I don't think that's scumbag at all. I think that's smart. Good job. That's not yeah. scumbag. I told, uh, I was, was like the kid who works on my yard when he graduated. I was like, man, you got to be, I was like, I was like, you, you didn't send us a, a graduation thing he's like nah what nah i was like man you're you're missing out on money if that thing would have come in my house you would have gotten a check like it, uh you messed yeah you messed up just send it you know who cares you know market that but, but i got I, so this dude graduate who's gonna do your yard work now because i got a guy bro i gotta i get this dude fifty dollars he comes through and just you know i heard the trimming the hedges but woman you scorched the earth like there, there is nothing left. Like he cuts my grass with a weed whacker. Like the whole thing. He just, he's got like this thing on his back. It's like a jet pack, and he's got these bags. And he just, it takes him twenty minutes, and I don't need to cut my grass again for like three months. Like he kills a whole season with it, and he shapes up my my little bush in the front, and I got little trees. He does a good job. Fifty bucks, man. He'll go down. I bet you he'll travel down to Atlanta for like. Two uh, look, look, Dave. So. I'm in a little bit of a dispute with the next door neighbor, you know. Oh, no way. You're in a dispute with someone? <clears throat> so let's just say it's not a lot of yard work being done here at the old Womack Manor as, uh, as, as uh, you know. Oh, so your kid graduates high school. He can't come out because it's the pandemic. So you just start a beef with your neighbor. So, you, you know, you got a reason. To now we were already beefing. Your, your unkempt yard. That makes sense. I gotta, that's, that's a scumbag. Let me take I either do my own yard work or I hire, you know, I, I buy a local. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not paying 
some dude to come out here. I don't, I hate leaf blowers. So I don't want anybody leaf blowing at my house. You know, I, I, I'm very particular. So I trim my own hedges. I'm a man of the people. I'm like, I don't have, you know, a staff like you of servants to, uh, it is, it's two man job. They come through. I'm telling you, bro. It's like, it's like at three o'clock in the afternoon. They're done in 15 minutes. It's, I'm telling you in and out like a robbery. Yeah, you, it sounds like the people that have destroyed uh, the house down in Florida, which is a whole nother situation. But uh, anyway, so I'll take I take care of my own yard when I when I get around to it. But <laughs> when the 17, 18 year old isn't taking care of your yeah. yard. So 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 anyway, my point was, I feel bad for people who like your son who miss grad. I, I have a I have a soft spot in my heart for graduations. So I feel bad for people that miss out on it, even if you, you, you're not into the whole ceremony thing. I think it's a big accomplishment. I think it should be celebrated. I feel bad for people who had weddings that uh, got canceled or postponed. But don't, I'm not watching a virtual wedding. Like we're not doing it. Don't, if you feel the need, compelled to get married, go down to the courthouse and get it done and then when we're allowed to leave the house, ceremony. No, yeah, absolutely. Right. When we're allowed to leave the house, let's have a party and we'll come. But in the meantime, like, yeah, yeah, make it legal now, right? And then, then you just go, you know, do it right. at the church or at the at the vineyard or whatever. Well, you think graduating high school is a big deal now? I feel like it's nothing now. I feel like it's it's like all right, you graduated high school, now you gotta go sink yourself in debt in college to get a job. Well. I mean, you're talking to the man who was the who was the first Womack to get that degree in my family. So the high school diploma. I don't who was that the, a degree? Who was, the kid, who was the kid in the draft that was saying, you know, I'm the first kid in my in my uh, family to graduate high school? Is it AJ Terrell? I forget who it was. No, it wasn't AJ Terrell because because he's got some sisters that are are real smart. Okay. Well, wow. it was it was somebody I forget who it was, and he was like, you know. And this was back when everybody in the draft was like, his dad drowned and his brother got struck by lightning and a sniper took his aunt in Vietnam, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just crazy. And then the kid goes, yeah, I'm the first one in my family to graduate from high school. And then I remember Jace turning around and be like, man, I would never admit that on national TV. <laughs> uh, it, it, it happens, man. I mean, you forget about it. I remember – similar to what you're saying when I graduated high school in my tiny town and one of the kids, my classmates, they were like, Jared Evans, a third generation Cottage Grove high school graduate. Not talking about, I was like, bro, like this town hasn't even been around that long. There's 8,000 people that live here. You, you guys haven't ventured outside the city limits in three generations. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, guess where, guess where Jared's kids go to school now? Same high school he went four right generations. There, right there in CG. Big shout, Jared Evans. He talented, talented football player, Jared was, and baseball. Uh, so, uh, anyway, that wraps it up for us. I think we, we went a little long here. And now I can't, I'm not going to put, I'm probably not going to put out the video because of the cussing and uh, whatever else. It up, man. Chop it up. No, you don't, you don't understand, David. So, you know, I do what, understand. I edit videos for cardinalsports.com now. And it's not it's not as big of a deal as you make it out. To you want to edit the you want to start editing the podcast then? I mean, if you send it over to me, I'll edit it out. I'll put some different music in it. I, I mean, you might be kind of like, what the heck are you doing? But yeah, I'm, I'm going to take creative license with it. I'm a Jordan, <laughs> but yeah, send it to me. I just All don't right. know if I can open it. You have to probably put it. I don't know if I have like the Google Docs thing or whatever. 
All right. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. We only got a few more episodes of the old Jordan show. Maybe we get Cassidy back on here, huh? Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> All right, that wraps it up for us. Talk to you later, Dave. All right, peace. Thank you.